Well, good morning. If you got your Bibles, pull them out. Open with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you did not bring your Bible today, good news. We have one in the pocket in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, take that one. It's a gift from us to you. You can have that, all right? It's not stealing if it's a gift we give you. Uh, we're going to read our passage. The last couple of weeks, we've been in this series, and we've been talking about how we go about connecting every life to Jesus, the way. Uh, we're answering the question for ourselves, but also answering, helping others answer the question, uh, where do you belong, right? Who are you becoming, and what are you building? Today, we're going to look at this idea of what are you building uh, through this lens of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11, where Paul writes this. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we're in, we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. We're, are we commending ourselves to you again? No. We're giving you a reason to be proud of us, so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we're crazy, it's to bring glory to God. And if we're in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that all died to our old life. He died, he died for everyone so that those who receive this new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one point, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, but how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. All this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. And so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who had never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. As God's partners, we beg you not, uh, excuse me, beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thanks so much that you did come. You made a way for us to be made right with God. And as a result, we get to experience uh, the wonderful kindness of God through our relationship with him through you. I pray that we would, you would just help us, spur us, encourage us, inspire us today to be able to open that way for someone else, to be able to point people back to you, Jesus, to plead with them, to come back to God because of what you've done each and every single one of us. Jesus, we love you. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen. So I started in my ministry career, Memphis, Tennessee. I uh, moved from college straight down to Memphis. And it was like right at the beginning of summer, which is a great time to start student ministry because the students aren't in school, right? And so my boss gave me this list of sixth grade boys that I was supposed to get to know and, and, and invest in. And, and uh, he told me as well, like, one of the things I want to make sure you never do, don't ever go run an errand uh, by yourself. Now, that wasn't a hard task for me to take on because I'm an extrovert. 
I was single at the time. And so if anybody would hang out with me, I was going to hang out with them. And so uh, I was getting ready to go. I needed to go buy. My task was to go buy a digital camera for our student ministry for the summer. Kids, if you don't know what that is, ask your parents later. Um, and so that's what I, my, my goal was. I was going to go do this. And so I decided to call the first kid that was on my list. His name was Brett. Uh, and so I called him up. I said, hey, do you want to go grab lunch? Go to Best Buy, buy this camera. He's like, yeah, sure, I'm in. I'm like, all right, sweet. And uh, here's what you need to know about Brett. Like there's those kids that like grow, you know, like this is hilarious. Yesterday, we're at the football field, okay? My son's in a fifth and sixth grade football league. There was a kid he was lining up against who he looked like a full grown man, right? I'm like, my son's going to die today at the hands of number 98. Um, and then they had a running back on their team that looked like he might have been in third grade, right? It was like, what is going on? It's just the way it is in, in like that age group for, for boys. And so Britt was one of those kids that looked like a full-grown man and like coming out of fifth grade. And so, you know, I picked him up and he's one of those kids that grew so fast, he doesn't really know how big his body is. So like he walks like this. Because his, like, his feet are just, you know, boats. And he doesn't know how to walk with them. He like stumbled over things. He would break things all the time. Like this was, this was just who Britt was. I didn't know that at the time. I picked him up. I'm taking him to Best Buy. Not a good place to take a kid like that. Okay. Nobody told me this stuff. And so we go. We go I finally narrowed down to two cameras that will do everything we need to do. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to let Britt pick which one we're going to do. That'll like give him some ownership, you know? And I'm like, hey, Britt, I want you to look at these two cameras and pick which one we're going to buy. And we'll buy whichever one you pick. And he's like, really? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, just take a look at him. He's like, okay. So he goes to pick it up. I'm standing like right away. He goes to pick it up. And the next thing I know, I just hear this kink, you know, like, and ding, 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 ding. And I'm, I'm standing over here. I'm like, Britt, what just happened? He's like, nothing. I'm like, Britt, I walk over to the camera and like the, the part where you like move it back and forth to like zoom in and out, it's gone. All right, Britt, what, what happened to it? He's like, I don't know. It went back there, you know, like, like behind the display. And so I'm like, he just broke the camera, right? Like, this is, why did I even ask you to look at it again? You know, so we went and found a worker. They came back and like assured us that it was already broken, which made him feel a whole lot better. We ended up going with the other camera and uh, <laughs> I'm buying that one. And so we bought the other camera and I took him home and we got done with like the day. And I'm like, I'm like driving back to church thinking, man, I don't, is this what, man, what, this is weird. Like I just hung out with that kid. Like, this is weird. Ministry's weird, right? Like, and all of a sudden I get this phone call from his mom. And she's like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm like freaking out. I think I, I just, I did something wrong. I said something wrong. Like he's, I'm going to be fired. And uh, his mom's like, hey, I just wanted to thank you. He has not stopped talking about his time with you since he walked in the door. He's actually on the phone with his dad right now, telling him all about his time with you. And he even interrupted his dad in the middle of a meeting to do so, Right. And then she said, I just want to thank you for taking one-on-one -on -one time with our boy. And it hit me. This is what ministry is about. Not this, right? This is one-on-one. -on -one. I don't know how many people are in here, right? Ministry really, what it's about is one-on-one -on -one time with one other person. Like investing in that one other person. And, and I started to think, this is exactly what Jesus did. This is what we see in Jesus' life. Now, Jesus had the disciples, right? He always had disciples hanging out with him, traveling everywhere. There's always crowds. And, and I think this, the epitome of, of this one-on-one -on -one ministry that Jesus did comes in the story of the woman who was subjected to bleeding. Now, what we know is that she was subjected for 12 years to bleeding. We have no idea uh, exactly what all that meant and entailed. But what, what I do, what we do know from uh, the New Testament is that because of that, she couldn't be in big crowds or even big cities of people. 
In fact, if she walked into a crowd or into a big city, she would have to yell, unclean, unclean, to make sure everybody that was in the area would know that she's unclean. And if you touch me or touch anything I touch, you're going to become unclean. And that was law. That's what she had to do. If she didn't do that, she could be stoned to death. Here's the thing. She hears about Jesus. Jesus is on like this healing streak, you know, like one of those moments in the in scripture where he's just like healing person after person, like what is going on? And he's doing this and the crowd's getting bigger around him. People are coming to see and, and she is close to the crowd and she's not yelling unclean. She thinks to herself, I can't get his attention from way out here. So if I can just get through the crowd and touch his cloak, I'll be healed. So she takes the risk of her life because if anybody notices her as someone who's unclean, they're going to immediately stone her to death. And she goes through the crowd, makes her way up to Jesus, and she grabs onto Jesus' cloak, and immediately she's healed. Now Jesus is cruising along in this massive crowd with all these people, and then he turns around and says, who touched me? That's funny, y'all. That's funny. Think about this. You ever been to Gamebridge Fieldhouse or like out of Ruhoff and like everybody's trying to leave a concert or game at the exact same time and you like go down those stairs and you're just like, you know, like bumping around because there's so many. I'd be like, turn around in that moment and be like, who touched me? Everybody did, bro. Like nobody's, we're all friends here. Okay. Like we're all trying to get out of this concert at the same time. That's why Jesus turns around and says, who touched me? One of the disciples is like, do you see all the people here? Lots of people have touched you. Right? He says, no, no, no. I felt healing power leave me. Who is it that touched me? And she knows in that moment she's not going to be able to not be caught. And so she hits her knees and begins to worship him in the middle of the crowd. And in this moment, like this is the moment where like she's unclean, she got healed. So she's obviously unclean before this. So she should be being stoned right now, even if she is healed, because she just broke all the laws that she shouldn't have broke. And Jesus looks at her and says, my daughter, your faith has healed you. Why? Because in the midst of a giant crowd, Jesus was what? About one person. He was about one-on-one -on -one ministry. And so today we're going to talk about this idea of how are we going to go about building, right? How are we going to do that? How are we going to encourage other people to build the kingdom of God? Well, what I want to suggest is we're going to do it the same way Jesus did it one-on-one -on -one ministry, because when Jesus died, he was thinking about one. Verse 15 says this, he, being Jesus, died for everyone so that th those who receive this new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they'll live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating each other from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. So if we're going to really lean into this, we have to understand first and foremost that, that Jesus built the kingdom through you. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he pursued you. He died for you. You, we're told that he died for us. There's, we, don't know, we no longer live this old life. Listen, you're not supposed to wake up in the morning and just think about yourself. Now, I, I get it. I do that all the time. I think, well, what am I going to feed myself first, right? Like, what am, what, how am I going to clean myself first, right? Like, when I have to think about my kids first when I wake up and I wake up too late and I have to go straight to the kid. It's not good. I don't want to think about them, right? I want to think about number one. That's me, okay? 
That's, that's not a good thing for anybody in our household. But here's the thing. You're not called to wake up in the morning and think about yourself. That old life's gone. You've died to that life. When it comes to your faith in Jesus, now you live for somebody else. You live for Christ. He says, no longer will they live for themselves. Instead, they'll live for Christ who died and was raised for them. He died for you, for the one, so that you could live for him, the one. The one and only Savior of the world. So we stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. I talked about that, I think, a couple of weeks ago. Like, we don't look at other people from a human point of view. We don't see them that way any longer. We see them as people who uh, they don't, might not know that they have a way to be right with God. And we know that way. That's, that's the whole reason we're preaching this whole series. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person. You're a new, complete new person. Now, about a year after Britt and I broke a camera at Best Buy. See that? I took ownership there too, okay? All right, I'm not irresponsible adult. Anyways, after we broke a camera, like we were getting ready to go to camp and, and he and I have been having these, uh, some hard conversations. Britt just had a hard middle school phase of life. And so we have talk, been talking about Jesus. Um, he had never accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior, although his family had grown up in church. And so um, he was like so ready that the first night we got to camp, he's like, I'm, I'm ready, I'm ready, let's do this. I'm ready to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'm like, we could have done this at home, you know? Like, why are we doing this here? We were on a mountain, I guess. He wanted to wait for the mountain. Um, and so literally that first night, he accepts Jesus. We pray, uh, we call mom and dad, and we talk to them, and we're up at night, we're talking about this decision. And he's like, Lance, I, I, but here's the thing. He's like, Joe and Toby don't know Jesus the way I know Jesus. Joe and Toby were his best friends who were on the trip with us as well. I said, well, let's, well, then let's, let's get to work. <laughs> I said, he's like, I, I don't know what to tell them. I don't know what to actually say to them. I said, why did you just make that decision tonight? And he goes on this like three to four minute reason why he just, did. I said, all you got to go is go sit with those boys in the room and tell them why you just made that decision. Exact same thing you just told me. I said, I want the same thing for you. He's like, it's easy as that. I'm like, yep, easy as that. Just go do that and we'll see what happens. So he went and did that, comes back. And he's like, they were like, we prayed together. It, was, it went great. He's like, but they didn't make a decision. I'm like, well, that's not your job. <laughs> your job is just to tell them. <laughs> Pray with them. Let's, let's, let's just trust the Holy Spirit's going to do the rest of it. Three nights later. I'll never forget this night. Three nights later, Britt walks Joe and Toby down to the front of this auditorium to me. And Britt's like, they're ready. They're ready. I look at Toby and Joe, who are just a mess. And they're like, we're, re we're ready. We want to do this. We want to do this together. I was like, all right, let's do this, right? <laughs> it's unbelievable. What, but, but what Britt understood as a seventh grader is what I'm telling you right now. And it's this, verse 18. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. Britt understood that. Listen, two days ago, we were driving the car. I'm like, Hey, kids, you know what today is? And they're like, no. I'm like, four months till Christmas. <laughs> you think I only do this on stage. I don't. Uh, I do this in the car at home. I'm like, let's decorate. Let's just do it now. Um, I'm excited. But you, you think about Christmas. You don't get gifts at Christmas and you don't take them home wrapped and just keep them sitting there. If you got wrapped Christmas presents in your household, you need to see a psychologist, okay? Something's wrong with you. All right, let's be honest with you. Something wrong there. 
You either accept that gift by opening it or you say, hey, I don't, I don't need anything at this time. Or you deny it. The truth of this is, is that all this is a gift from God. This not living for yourself any longer, but living for Christ. Um, seeing people from a, 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 not from an earthly point of view, but from God's point of view, being this new person, it's all a gift. And there's only two options. You're either accepting it and living in it or you're denying it. You, there's not another option. Revelation has some pretty strong words about being lukewarm right in the middle. In fact, he says, I'll spit you out of my mouth. There's not an option to be lukewarm. There's not an option just to be like, well, I'm just kind of, I'm kind of, kind of Christian. The heck does that mean? You either are a new creation or you are not a new creation. Right? You either are stepping into this gift or you are denying this gift. That's all there is to it. What's the gift? God has given us this task as a result of bringing us back to himself through Christ. God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. See, Jesus has reconciled us to God. Jesus has given us this right relationship with God. He's set us up for success. And he said, listen, this is, this is it. This is the task that God has given us to reconcile people to God. You think, what does it look like to live for Christ and, not, and in my new life and not in my old life? That's just about me. Well, it's about others and reconciling others to Christ. That's all there is to it. It is the task of reconciling. He says, task of reconciling. Christ is reconciling the world to himself. Then he says, it's a ministry of reconciliation. When Jesus turned around and the crowd said, who touched me? He was seeking a moment of reconciliation. Let's make sure everybody in this crowd knows that something was just made right. That has been wrong. That has been affected by sin, Right? And then he goes on to say, so we are Christ's ambassadors. Now, if you're like me, I'm like, yeah, I know what ambassador is. You're like, what is it? I'm like, it's that, you know, like everyone knows what an ambassador is, right? Like, so I just decided, okay, well, I'm going to help you if you're like me and you're like, you really don't know what it is. All right. Ambassadors speak not to please an audience, but the king who sent them. Ambassadors do not speak on their own authority. Ambassadors, uh, personal opinions and demands mean little. Ambassadors simply say what they've been commissioned to say. Paul was very specific in using this term. Because if we consider ourselves Christ ambassadors, this is how it reads. Christ ambassadors speak not to please an audience, but God who sent them. Christ ambassadors do not speak on their own authority, but God's authority. Christ ambassadors' personal opinions and demands mean little why God's mean everything. Christ ambassadors simply say what they've been commissioned by God to say. You know what we've been commissioned by God to say? Come back to God. Come back to God. He's made a way through Jesus for you to come back to God. This is how we build the kingdom. When you ask, what are you building? 
what we're asking is, what we're answer, the answer should be the kingdom. We're trying to build the kingdom. What else are you doing on this earth then if you're a follower of Jesus? I'm just enjoying it. No, no. Yes, you can enjoy it. That's great. But, but there's also something else. We need to bring people to heaven with us. That, that's the task we've been given. The ministry of reconciliation. That's how we answer the question, what are you building? That's how we help others answer the question, what are you building? This is unbelievable. Tomorrow, mark a year that a man in this church's life was drastically changed. And by drastically changed, I mean drastically changed. From a drug high out on a run to being in an ambulance and experiencing firsthand to him, Satan. Came out of that convinced, if that's real, God's got to be real. Changed his life. His wife looked at me with tears this morning and said, he was my one. He was a person I was praying for. He was a person my family was praying for. And I looked at him, I was like, he's on board. Boy, now, it's been a year. We gave you a year. Now it's time to get busy, right? We got work to do. It's time to get to the ministry of reconciliation. Who's your one? Who's in your life doesn't know Jesus that you need to be going after right now? And then he was just like fired up. He was ready to go. He walked out of the building like uh, he was going to go do something, right? <laughs> like, let's go. Why? Verse 21, for, Christ, for God made Christ, get this, who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That's right, amen. Christ has made you right with God. He has reconciled you to God. It's the greatest news that's ever existed. You don't have to pay the punishment for your sin. Somebody else already paid it for you. And so here's my question. Here's my challenge for you. I asked this a couple of weeks ago to be thinking about it. Maybe you missed that Sunday. That's okay. I'm going to ask you right now, who is your one? Who's your one? Who's the one person in your life right now? Just one. I just want you to pick one that does not know Jesus, that needs to understand this reconciliation and right relationship to God. Who you need to plead, come back to God with. Who's your one? Some of you, you might've just answered that question right in the moment I asked it. I know exactly who that is. God, God's been putting them on my heart for a while. I know who, I, I get it, Lance, I got it. But some of you might not. You know what you'll be tomorrow? You'll be at a meeting and you'll look across the table and, and she'll look at you and God will say, that's the one. Or maybe some of you, there's some younger people in this room, some of you will be in class and there'll be that one kid who just sits by himself. He's a loner and nobody really connects with him, talks to him. And God's going to say, hey, that's your one. You'll be scrolling through Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever you like out there with your social media. And, and, and you'll stop on somebody and you'll be like, oh, they need Jesus. That's my one. All right. Some of you be at a, at a football game like me screaming at, 12-year-old boys to knock his head off, right? And then after the game, be talking to parents like, oh, yeah, I'm a pastor, you know? Like, nice to meet you, you know? Like, and that person's gonna be your, your one. So it might be a coworker, it might be a, a sibling, a parent, a child. It, it might be somebody who you've known for years. It might be somebody you just met. My question for you is, who is your one? Because here's what we want to do for the next year. That's right, I said the next year. All right, from, from this day 
for another 365 days, we want to focus on one thing, and that's a one. Showing the one the way to connect to Jesus. And so we're going to start this little campaign that we're going to call one for one. One of you, one of them that don't know Jesus. I mean, look around this room. If every single one of you people picked one and they all showed up, we'd have, we'd have issues. Okay, we'd have like space problems. Fire marshal would be mad at us, right? And I'd be like, let's go. <laughs> Fire marshal, he needs Jesus too, right? Why don't you just come on in and see how we're breaking code and stick around for a while. One for one. And here's what I, wanna, I want to tell you. This is what I, I'm promising you. We are going to, every single time we're gathered like this, we're going to stop for one minute. We're going to pray for that one. So I really do want you to identify who that is. But the truth is, is that we're not gathered as much as we are scattered, right? We only gather here one day a week. We're scattered six days a week. And so as we're scattered, we want to take one minute a day to pray for the one. And so I don't do this often, but I'm going to do this today. If you're in here, get your phone out. Go ahead and get your phone out. It's okay. You're not going to get like slapped or anything like that. Kids, you can get your phone out too. Tell your mom I said so. All right. If you, got a phone, if you got an iPhone, you're going to hit the clock. You're going to find clock on your screen, right? And you're going to click on that clock, and at the bottom, you're going to hit alarm. Listen, if you got an Android, I don't know how those things work, okay? I'll get Steven up here after service, and he can help you figure out how to do this, all right? So you're going to hit alarm. You're going to hit up at the top right the plus button, and then you're going to set an alarm for 141, 141. Make sure you set PM because you, I mean, you can do that if you want to be dedicated and get up at 1.41 a.m. I'm not going to stop you. But PM, and then I want you to hit the repeat button and just click every single one of those days like Buddy the Elf. There's another Christmas reference. Click the label, and I want you to put the number one, F-O-R, and then all caps, O-N-E, one for one. Listen, our staff's already doing this. It's hilarious. We'll be in the middle of a meeting. We're going, I mean, we're, we're talking deep about teaching and preaching or something, some other thing. And 141 will hit and all our alarms start going off. And literally we just stop. We just stop, we bow our heads. Everybody's quiet for a minute. After that minute, we all start to look back up and we're like, pick up right where we left off. So you might, you might hit that, you might hit 141 in the middle of a meeting at work. You don't have to bow your head. Just take a second mentally and go somewhere else and, and pray for your one. You might be with somebody else from church at 141. I've, I've been somewhere with somebody else, 141. I said, hey, we're gonna stop and pray because we're gonna do this thing. You don't know about it yet, but you're gonna figure it out. <laughs> Just pray for someone, all right? This is a challenge for you to enter into with us. Well, we wanna be focused. I've got a one. My wife and I have one. And we're, we're doing this because we think this is, this, is, this is what we're called to do to build the kingdom of God. We're given this ministry of reconciliation. Now, here's what I want, I want, I want, I know what you're thinking. Like, Lance, we're gonna do this for a whole year. So what if my one shows up? Praise Jesus if your one shows up in here. Well, we're gonna stop and pray for the one. And I'm gonna say from this stage, you might be somebody's one. Welcome, we are so glad you're here because we've been praying for you. And now that you're here, why don't you start praying for somebody? <laughs> there you go pick that alarm that's a good one I like that one it's not 141 yet though you're a little ahead of yourself that's 1147 reset that 141 but here's what I also want to tell you 
There's one person, there's one person that's not gonna like what we're doing. And that's our enemy, Satan. Because you know what? He knows when we pray, what happens? He knows when you start to pray for that one person that you're gonna start to listen to that one person. You're gonna start to invest in that one person. You're gonna start to seek that one person. And you know what? There's gonna become a moment where you're gonna get to be able to share with them, come back to God. And Satan wants nothing more than to mess with that. So be ready. Be ready. Be ready because he's gonna come. And when he comes, we're gonna be ready because this is what we're called to do as Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Where's plan A? There is no plan B. One of you for one of them, one year, we're gonna pray one minute while we're gathered. You're gonna pray one minute every day when we're scattered in hopes that we have the chance. We have the chance to celebrate life change for God's glory and God's glory alone. Servers, if you're serving the Lord's Supper, head to the back. I wanted to take the Lord's Supper at the end today because the truth is 2,000 years ago, Jesus did exactly what Paul wrote in this passage. And at the church I grew up in, they had a big table that was in the back in the center and engraved on it. It says, do this in remembrance of me. And I, yeah, I get chills every time I think about that table because it's like a, it's a party table. It's a celebration table. Listen, you and I have life and new life because he's given it to us as a gift. And so every time we get to take the Lord's Supper, it should be a celebration that you have new life. Yeah, we're supposed to come before him and confess how we've fallen short. Yeah, we come before him and thank him for the sacrifice of his son so that we could have life. But the truth is, as I look around this room and I see a lot of brown pew, we've got room at the table for more. We've got room at the table for more. So as we celebrate what Jesus did for us on the cross, don't forget that there's people out there that need to join us at the table. And we want you to just focus on one for the next 365 days. Servers, you can go ahead and come down and begin serving. This is a celebration of our new life. The top cup has juice, which represents his blood that was shed for you, for the forgiveness of your sins. The bottom has the bread and the bread was broken. And it was broken for you to have new life. And so as you take this, I just ask that you would both reflect on how he's reconciled you, but he's also given you the task, the ministry, the privilege of reconciling others. You can partake as you feel led.